welcome to the Wesley Memorial Podcast. Join us this Sunday at 1225 Chestnut Drive in High Point. Visit us on the web at wesleymemorial.org. Now here is this week's message. Smile and praise God, she said. Don't let it get to you. I was listening to a conversation, I wasn't eavesdropping, but I happened to hear two women speaking to each other at a church I used to serve at many years ago. Both were mothers, both had teenagers that were having a hard time. They were making bad decisions. And the other woman was giving counsel and saying, smile and praise God. Don't let it get to you. The mother was anxious, she was worried. And when I heard this advice, on one hand I thought, that's understandable. I understand that she's trying to give sympathy and comfort to her friend. But on the other hand, I thought, that's radically unhealthy. And not only that, it's radically unbiblical for Christians to expect that we're supposed to have this state of constant mirth and joy all the time. Is it possible that joy and anxiety or worry can coexist? I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think they're not mutually exclusive if you view our faith as Jesus said, that He is the vine and we are the branches. And then if our roots go down deep into Him, grounded in His Word, established and delighting in Him, even during times of drought, our roots go deeper in search of His joy giving us a foundation for our lives. Above ground, the tree could have seasons of growth, seasons of loss. But the joy remains. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. 1 Peter 1.6, Peter the Apostle writes to his audience, and he says, you rejoice in Him though you are now in great heaviness. Heaviness there could mean anxiety, turmoil, distress. He doesn't say, you used to rejoice in Him and now you're in heaviness. No, He says you are in deep joy and yet also in deep distress. I think to talk about worry, we need to go deeper than platitudes that seem to placate the situation, but maybe go deeper than the way that Jesus would in that He goes to the heart of the matter. He always does, doesn't he? He gets right down to the nitty-gritty. He says basically that in order for us to understand our worry, we need to see that whatever we're most devoted to is what we're the most worried about. For example, I'm not particularly worried about your job. Now, I want you to have a job. If you came to me, and said, I just got fired, I would want to speak and share with you and counsel you and have compassion. We'd pray together. I would be concerned, absolutely. And just like you, you're probably not necessarily worried about my family or my job because we're devoted to the things that we worry about. We care, but our worries consume the things that we're most devoted to. As Andy Stanley would say, the things you're worried about, they reflect your core devotions. So what if you shifted your devotion? What would your worries then look like? 
before you can find a solution about worry, and there's always going to be an anxiety and worry that comes up as long as we're alive. But you have to name the problems. What are some of the prime devotions of this age, of every age, really? One, we could say that we're anxious about the future. We can't control the future. People still go to tarot cards and palm reading, and we want to know what's going to happen. Anxious. I'm a father of young children. I have a beautiful young daughter who's five years old. I already see other five-year-old boys, and I'm like, get out of here. No. (laughs) I'm anxious. I'm already praying about who they will marry. You're anxious about other people. Maybe you feel like you're not enough. We can do crazy things just to be validated by other people. Our anxieties, our worries will drive our behavior. We're anxious about death. The grave is silent. We miss those who have gone before us. But you should know there are pleasures forevermore in the life to come. Be encouraged. But we're anxious even about our health, the health of a loved one, the health of ourselves. We're anxious about failure. I don't want to fail as a parent, as a student, as an employee, as a spouse. But there's one, number one anxiety or worry of Americans, and really probably everybody throughout history, 70% of Americans would say this is their number one worry. What is it? Finances, stuff, money. And what does Jesus do in Matthew chapter 6 when he starts to teach about worry? He goes directly to stuff. You can look on page 6 of your pew Bible if you'd like to read along Matthew chapter 6 starting at verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Therefore, therefore is a connecting word. I tell you, I command, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to the span of your life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles, other translations say pagans, who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. 
The word Jesus uses for wealth is the word mammon, which in English you could give the general word of stuff. You cannot serve God and your stuff. Do not worry about your life. In America, it could sound more like, do not worry about your retirement. Do not worry if you'll get into that school. Do not worry if you'll be single forever. Do not worry if you'll find a job you love. Indeed, don't even worry about your health. And when I read these words from Jesus, if you're like me, you read those and you think, really? Is he saying all these concerns are not important? I don't think that's his point at all. He says, your Father in Heaven knows that you need these things. He isn't saying be irresponsible and it will just happen to work out. God wants us to do and be faithful with what we've been given. He's saying these things are important, but they're not your prime devotion. Don't let them become your first love. There is a way to face uncertainty about tomorrow, but not worry about it today, almost like a child would. There's a way to know the joy of the Lord in the midst of worry, to remember where our roots are established. As Jesus says here, can worrying add anything to your life? Will you add any day to your life? Quite the opposite. Worrying will take your joy today as you worry about tomorrow. Jesus is challenging really the purpose of life itself. A lot of people want to know, what is the purpose of life? Why am I here? It's not found in possessions. It's not found in worrying about these things, he says. The purpose of life is to know God, to seek Him first, and He will give you in time what you need when you need it. But you must be patient. And we're not always a patient people. But you cannot worry about tomorrow because we can trust the one who is the only one who can do anything about tomorrow. What if you shifted your devotion? What would happen to your worry? I don't know about you, but whenever I'm worrying, has anyone ever said to you, oh, stop worrying, right? And then it makes me worry even more. I saw a billboard one time and it said, never in the history of being told to calm down has anyone ever calmed down. When someone says stop worrying, you, st you ask why. What did somebody say? What did you hear? And it starts this vicious cycle. And Jesus is trying to break us out of ourselves in this cycle. This is a sermon for somebody who is ever listening to this that is overcome with worry and anxiety. You're worried about the future, your children. And church should be a place where we talk about real stuff because the Bible is full of broken people like you and me. And Jesus is willing and ready to enter in to our brokenness, even our worry. And I think that healthcare and medication for depression and anxiety is a gift of God. It's a good thing. People need assistance with that today. It's a growing issue in our world. From the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, here's some statistics. Anxiety disorders impact 40 million adults in our country. Women are twice as likely to struggle 
than men. More than one in five Americans are on medication for anxiety or depression. More than half of all college students have sought help. Some would say that we're in the midst of an epidemic. And unfortunately, in 2017 alone, over 47,000 people committed suicide as a result of anxiety or depression. It's not something I have wrestled with, but I have friends that have, and I have great sympathy and compassion and understanding for them. They have told me that they feel like they're restless, their hearts are racing, their minds go into the worst-case scenario, they're lightheaded, they worry to the point of being ill, they don't want to leave their house or get out of bed. And what I say to you today is that God is on your side. The Lord is near. And I commend to you a website called anthemofhope.org where you can chat and make a phone call and get resources if you're struggling with that. Paul in Philippians chapter 4 tells us a bit more about worry and how worry can actually become, we can leverage our worry into a form of worship. There's a hopeful side to it. All is not lost. Philippians 4, 4 through 6. This contrast of joy again and worry. Rejoice in the Lord again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Let's say that together. The Lord is near. What a beautiful sentence. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Remember that the Lord is near. He is near. Lean into God and remember that He is near. That trusting God instead of worrying is a form of worship. I remember the first time I ever went snow skiing. I don't know if it's ever going to snow here because it's already springtime, but here. I was 16 years old and I didn't even know I needed snow bibs. So I wore jeans like an idiot. And as I go skiing, I don't know what I'm doing. I didn't even get a ski lesson. And it took me two hours to get down the bunny slope. I realized I will never do this again as long as I live. But I did. And a friend later, he pulled me aside and he said, look, quit leaning back. You're taking out whole lines of people waiting for the ski lift. If you want to succeed at skiing, you've got to lean into the mountain. And I thought, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. And he was right. Bend your knees, slightly lean forward, and snowplow like your life depended on it. Because <laughs> inside of you, you're screaming, this can't be right. I'm feeling deep anxiety right now. I paid them money to do this. Lean into God. Lean into the mountain. Maybe the anxious need to lean into God this year with a bit more boldness. Maybe the bold need to be a bit more cautious. Maybe the constantly optimistic to smile, praise God, it'll work out. Maybe they need to be a little bit more thoughtful. Lean into God. Remember that He is near. Now you may be a Christian person and you're listening to this and you're thinking... 
I know this. I've heard this. Lean into God. The Lord is near. Don't worry. But why am I not more happy? I can answer that question maybe with another question. Should you seek happiness or seek righteousness? What would you seek? Happiness or righteousness? Blessedness is found when we seek something other than blessedness. Joy is found when we seek something other than joy. If you seek righteousness in the kingdom, Jesus says, you'll get both. Aim for heaven, you get heaven and earth. Aim for the earth, and you get neither. Seek to save your life, you'll lose it. Seek to lose your life, and you'll find it. Jesus' culmination about worry is Matthew 6.33, which I already read, but I encourage you to memorize it. His ultimate answer to worry is saying, realign your devotion. What would happen if you realigned your devotions? What would happen to your worry? Make the kingdom your primary focus. God, your primary focus. When the anxieties and the worries come knocking at the door, let it be a reminder to stay focused on the kingdom. Lean into God and also lean into the future. See, you'll never be free from anxiety from trying to order tomorrow. What if we faced this year with a feeling of anticipation rather than resignation? Jesus was indeed a critic of worry. It's pretty clear. If we try to make an idol out of certainty, to have certainty for the future instead of just trusting in the goodness of God, worry does not help tomorrow, and it just ruins today. Maybe you've heard the name Corey Ten Boom. You ever heard of a book called The Hiding Place? It was made into a movie back in the 70s, too. Corey Ten Boom was the daughter of a Dutch watchmaker during World War II. And they're a large Christian family. And the Ten Booms did something remarkable during the time where they were occupied by the Germans. The Ten Booms in their home saved the lives of over 800 Jews as they hid them in the walls of their home. Always under the threat, the anxiety, the worry of the Gestapo would come and take these people we're trying to rescue. Eventually, an informant rats them out, and the whole family gets sent to Ravensbrück concentration camp, where a large percentage of the Tin Boom family would die. Talk about anxiety and worry in the midst of fear, in the midst of faith and trust. But Corey Tin Boom in her book says her famous quote Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. If you've been in church your life, you know God. Never be afraid to trust the future to God's faithfulness. Look back over the course of your life. See how God has been faithful. Yes, there have been seasons of hardship. There have been winters. But there's also been springs and summer. Remember that we know Him and His perfection, His faithfulness. Again and again, you can trust a known God. We know the one in whom we 
trust. And before Corey's sister, Betsy, died in Ravensbrook, Betsy said to Corey this quote, There is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. If you're listening to this and worry has been a real problem for you, I want you to know that although you feel like you're in a pit of despair and the walls are closing in, that there is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. Psalm 40 is our prayer for you, and I promise I hope you cling to. It's not just words on a page. They are inspired by the Holy Spirit to give hope for those who feel hopeless. If you're in a pit of worry, you feel like you'll never escape from, God will pull you out. Wait patiently on His timing. Wait on Him. Lean into Him, and He will do it. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the desolate pit, out of the miry bog. He set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Happy are those who make the Lord their trust who do not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after false gods. Verse 11, Do not, O Lord, withhold your mercy from me. Let your steadfast love and your faithfulness keep me safe forever. And you know what? He will. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God.